0: Hey there, this is Maggie Rose. I'm a singer, songwriter, and music lover based in East Nashville, Tennessee. And one of my favorite things to do here in Music City is just get out of the house and take a walk. And something I've come to enjoy is that even with the competition of the humming of traffic or live music spilling out of the bars and honky tonks in our lovely city, I can always hear birds singing in the background. Just listen. We don't always notice them, but we should. I'd like to invite you to check out my new show, Salute the Songbird, on Osiris Media. On Salute the Songbird, I'll have candid, fun, sometimes deep and vulnerable conversations with the most fabulous and fascinating women on the scene in contemporary music. Some of my guests you will know. Some I will have the privilege of introducing to you. Together, they're all at the heart and soul of our musical world and all fearlessly female. I'll be joined by guests such as hit songwriter and recording artist Rubia Monfu. The dis-ease and the disease that we have in this country started stirring up undeniable things in me, and so
1: I started to write about it.
0: The incomparable folk rock star Nikki Bloom. To stay in this known world feels scarier than trying something new. And the legendary Nancy Wilson of Heart. We saw the Beatles from that moment forward it was like must have guitars so please pay tribute and attention to the songbirds all around you and join me maggie rose for salute the songbird on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you get your podcasts
1: This is Donnie B, and welcome to Female Centrics. We are the female hosted fish community podcast and part of Osiris Media. For you to check out more podcasts, please go to osirispod.com. I have got a very special episode for you all today with an interview with the one and only Tom Marshall. As all of you know, Tom has been the lyricist for Fish and Trey Anastasio since the beginning, and he is here with me to discuss the Beacon Jams. Before we get into the interview with Tom, I just wanted to let you all know that this episode is dedicated to two of my dear friends, Jesse R. and Timmy Cooper, who both struggled with addiction and lost their battles. Jesse is the father of our co-host Jillian's daughter. I was at the birth of their daughter and also with Jillian on November 16th, 2016, when she had to tell her daughter that her daddy wasn't coming home again. Timmy Cooper died 10 years ago this past October. And as hard as this is, I'd like to read the eulogy that I wrote and read at Timmy's funeral please bear with me if I get choked up here Um, see how we go I met Timmy on a beautiful sunny day in the fall of 1995 I remember the day so clearly we were outside the cafeteria at our college contemplating skipping class to go back to our apartments with some folks I noticed Timmy sitting on the wood curb a little bit away hunched over glanced up shyly towards us, patchwork pants, long hair. I knew he was a fish kid. We were all easy, easily identifiable back then. We started to walk away and I turned around and made one of the best choices of my life. And I said, hey, you want to come with us? And he looked up and he scrunched his nose up a bit. He shrugged his shoulders and he said, sure. Without even knowing that, it was the moment that would forever change my definition of family and I became Mama Dawn. Within months, we had eight people, two dogs, two cats, and a pet rat, of course, living with us in our one bedroom apartment. They were on the couch, behind the couch, on the living room floor, on the kitchen floor. And when it finally got warm out, everyone moved out to the condemned porch. I somehow got up daily and we joked, tiptoed through the unemployed to get to class. But every day I would come home and we would eat dinner together as a family sitting on the kitchen floor, one big bowl, 10 spoons. From there, our family grew, and we followed each other back and forth and back and forth from the West Coast to the East. I'm sure every one of us could tell a story about Timmy, and each of them would be in a different state. Timmy not only gifted me with most of my lifelong best friends, but he gifted me with 12 12 years of bliss and one of the greatest loves of my life, And a great friend to all, our dog, Caspian. It doesn't seem real for me to say towards the end of his life, but looking out at all of you together, I know someone's missing. Timmy and I had a long written conversation this summer, and I find great comfort with some of our last words. I wrote, turn to what you know, what makes you happy, music. You'll find your way, hon. Just listen. XOXO. Love you too. Mama Don. right to the end. Timmy's last words to me were, I love you. Ah, things keep getting better. Timmy, I hope now you can really see that although we were not there, we could not hold your hand anymore. Not one of us ever left your side. So these beacon jams and the money raised and the project that Trey is putting together for this recovery program is really near and dear to myself. And I know uh, most most of you. Uh, The opioid crisis is intense and affects pretty much everybody. so um we are we are really blessed to have uh to have this music and this community effort uh to raise well over a million dollars towards this project so thank you all and uh and on a lighter note we will be right back with tom marshall (laughs)
0: I'm dedicating this to my
2: lifelong friend, Tom. Hi, Tom. I can't sing this song and not think about you since you wrote the lyrics. I heard a rumor that it's Tom's birthday. It was yesterday. Yesterday. It was Tom's birthday and Lily, his lovely wife, who we've been friends since high school, both of their birthdays, Hi, Tom and Lily. Happy birthday. This one is for you, um, for both of your birthdays. So let's do that.
1: We are back with Female Centrics and our interview with Tom Marshall. So at this time, I'm going to introduce Tom Marshall. Welcome.
2: That's me. Hey, Don, how are you? Finally get to be on your show. It, it seems like I was on already, isn't that right?
1: Yes, yes. You came on uh, in the spring to discuss, uh, for you are, the, you hopped on for a little bit to discuss the songs that you had written uh, um, during quarantine that Trey had put out.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, right,
1: And we talked politics with uh, Lauren there for a minute.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah, Lauren was there. That's mm-hmm, right. And mm-hmm. we had fun. It was kind of like a kind of like a party.
1: Yeah, yeah. But this is this is the first one-on-one, so I'm I'm really excited about this. So, um, cool. Yeah,
2: happy to be on Female Centrics.
1: Woohoo. Well, you are the the man who made it happen, so you know it's it's appropriate. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, so nice, yeah, let let's. Nice let's Yeah, definitely. So um, let's jump right into this. Um, So, Tom, overall, 2020 has been a really creative time for you. Uh, Trey released 14 songs of yours in the spring. But how many songs have you written this year?
2: Well, actually, 2020 seems super creative uh, for me because of the number of of songs that were released. But I think... Only a few of those have actually been written in the year well, I can explain it. So so Trey and I went to a really cool house in Annapolis uh in September twenty nineteen, and you and I might have spoken mm-hmm. about that. And that's where we wrote most of the the actual song Sigma Oasis and like Evening Song and um a song Epitaph, which actually didn't make it on to the album and some others. Um and also that session we wrote Just a Touch, which we can probably we'll probably yes. talk about later. But that's the one that Trey opened the last Beacon show with in that stairwell with uh, Natalie, James and Jen. Um, But those and others wound up on Sigma Oasis, the album, which was released Mm -hmm. in March, and it was fantastic. And um, so I wrote with my pal uh, Scott Herman all the words for that album for every song except uh, one, which is uh, Life Beyond a Dream, Mm -hmm. which Trey wrote. Um, So then it was really cool when Trey released um, another album. Later during you know COVID lockdown, I guess that was in uh, July, mm-hmm. you know in the summer. but um, the songs those songs had come out on Instagram one at a time. Um, but the way that the history of that is uh Scott Herman Trey, and I went back to that Annapolis house, um, and that was I think late February or early March, right when COVID was starting to become a yeah. thing, and we decided we'd, we'd go anyway. there was no. No one really knew what was going mm-hmm. on. And it's a great house right on the water with a, you know, a beautiful view and a dock and a, a fire pit and boats and, you know, all the stuff that you'd utilize if you weren't there on a writing trip uh-huh. with Trey. Because he's like a work workaholic. <laughs> <cracks> um, but, <laughs> but we were so, exactly. But we were so successful uh, before in that house and we wanted to go back. But this time Trey said to me, and I was so happy he did. He said... Why don't you bring Scott? Mm. And I was so excited and Scott was excited and we brought along our new book. Our book is entitled Sigma Oasis, which has, which still had and still has a bunch of poems that hadn't been used. Um, Plus we wrote some other stuff uh, that isn't in the book. And also we wrote stuff on the spot. Like uh, there's a song called uh, When the Words Go Away that I think we wrote entirely there Mm -hmm. on the spot as Trey was like strumming his acoustic. But uh in that session i think was we wrote 10 to 12 songs and most of those came out on lonely trip so those are the only songs i've written in uh in 2020 No. um and then trey came out with that album and he had also added songs that he had written entirely by himself but basically the bones of those songs was what he kind of massaged and turned into that you know, turn it sure, from
1: something. And so is this new for you? Cause I know that Scott Herman, obviously, you know, big part of the lyrics, uh, from back in the day, would this have been the first time that the three of you actually went together on one of these songwriting trips?
2: Yeah, it's the first, wow. exactly. It's the first guest kind of ever. I mean, with a few, uh, exceptions, which don't need to be mentioned, uh, <laughs> Trey and I have, um, a, a rule basically that no one, no one interrupts us on the, on the songwriting trips. We're just there. We close the door. We usually stock the the fridge with enough in the old days with enough food and alcohol. Now it's just with enough food mm. uh, to survive uh, about it's often three days and two nights of just writing. And we like to emerge with about 10 songs, 10 useful songs. So having Scott along was a uh, completely new and different. And I knew he would fit and work within our mode of working. I'm sure Trey was sort of semi apprehensive. You know, anything can throw off the balance, and suddenly, you know, you might not be as creative as you as you want to be. We're yeah. always like superstitious. You know, you don't want to mess up. We, for whatever reason, we've done many, many of these songwriting trips now, possibly twenty, and we always come away with ten songs, and maybe about six of them are use useful. Sure. So you don't want to do anything to screw that up. But uh, Scott only helped.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, like, same, like, old crusty sweater from, you know, like, the 90s and (laughs) never washed, (laughs) full of patchouli, you know.
2: (laughs) Well, actually, that would be, yeah, like, if I thought about clothes, uh, that might be a thing, yeah. I never really know what I'm wearing, including right now.
1: (laughs) Um, So, you mentioned, uh, uh, you just said about Sigma Oasis being a book. Now, would you say, but in a way, so would you say this would be, like, kind of the third um i don't know installment that also went along with and forgive me because i know it's like the prince Fra- like i should know this yeah
2: salamander prince thank you <laughs> and then the next one is walls of the cave yeah okay. and they came out uh you know kind of like different eras of scott herman's and my uh songwriting um companionship one was when we were together in the same actual office working uh you know in corporate america in at and and yes we kind of just sent each other stuff, emails back and forth. But then the next one was written when we were completely separate, just trying to, uh, you know, trying to get by. And another, uh, I remember it was sort of like another down period for me. Uh, you know, Walls of the Cave itself was um, essentially written right around the aftermath of uh, 9/11. Oh, yeah. So it was like the country was in a depression, and I was personally like in a work. Life, depression, and uh, some sometimes that yields. If you're willing to and able to turn your mind to it, you can sort of draw from any emotion and turn it into art.
1: You know, and and, and I have to say it makes sense because it's that o one o two era where just in general, you know, the fish community was sort of you know well, I mean the hiatus was during that time. And the fish community itself wasn't doing, Trey wasn't doing well. So, you know, you're all kind of, you know, we're all synced up here. So that's interesting that that was something that you were going through as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yep. I distinctly remember just sort of, I was kind of like lost. I was like, you know, I had, I had my wonderful children, um, of course, which were able, you know, able to buoy my spirits. But I think I was kind of just like, my work situation wasn't where I wanted it to be. Uh, Fish was enough like intermittent or, you know, not certain that they were going to have a future. And, and just, I, I was also in a band that at the time, I think I was also breaking up my first iteration of the band amphibian. Oh, okay. So there's just like a lot of stuff going on.
1: Mm. Now, um. now Scott, um, it, you know, he's obviously a huge part of, of us as well. And so what does he do just in regular life? Like we don't really, he's kind of like the, uh, you know, the unsung hero in the background there, but
2: <laughs> yeah, he's, he's been my pal. We, we met, like I said, at, uh, at at t mm-hmm. we were both in the computer part of the computer programming part of, uh, I think customer service or something And which, which at eight, you know, in any other business would, be something that services customers but ours was just like a massive bin of humanity an endless sea of cubicles that uh you sat down and programmed in and you didn't ever see a customer so even though that was the name of the department um (laughs) but uh since then scott has you know we've gone different routes through life uh but he's always been a computer and an it expert and he's always lived within at least, I would say, 40 miles of my home. So we stay in touch as much as we can. We see each other as often as we can. And we are very much in touch, uh, you know, through the Internet and continue staying creative. And we're our, you know, this third book that we're working on is not completed yet.
1: Sure, sure. Um So let's get into the you know the beacon jams here. So, when did Trey first come to you with this idea? And do you know what the plans are for the treatment, or at least when he first started out and uh, the plans were going into for raising the money for the treatment center?
2: (laughs) Well, he never came to me with the idea. (laughs) You you heard the rumors on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a lot of stuff that Fish does, and he does. I'll, like, find out through his dad or or through Patrick, you know, the manager. Um, I may have found this one out earlier than everyone, uh, uh, maybe a month earlier or something. But, um, like, I remember asking uh, Patrick if I could go. I wanted to go to all the shows when I heard about it. And the answer was a firm no. What?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um so how many of cuz I mean there were so many songs uh, uh 153 total I believe um I could be off nice. on that yeah and nice. um wow. how many of your songs were played during uh the Beacon jams because there were many that were debuted by Tab and uh did you have any well i'm assuming no because you didn't really know much about it but did you have any input on the song choices or did you hear any of the arrangements uh beforehand because a lot of them were rewritten to include the strings and whatnot correct
2: right oh yeah definitely so no um i had no input it was like every night was a a wonderful surprise wow. to me just yeah. like as an audience member mm-hmm. but so trey played um in terms of like the number of songs that I, I was involved with in that, uh, I was thinking about it uh, a while, so I've, I've done a tiny bit of analysis. So he played eight Fridays in a row, starting October 9th through uh, November 27th, mm-hmm. and he averaged about 20 songs a night, and of those, um, I ranged the songs that I've contributed to uh, range from seven, which was, I think, my minimum uh, in one night, to 13, I think, which was my most, and that was the night I went. Uh, Eleven thirteen. that was my birthday show i call mm. it and the only only exception to that is um ghosts of the forest which i wrote none no songs
1: sure sure but um, let's talk
2: about debu- debuts you yes you, you mentioned debuts yeah so honestly there's like i think we have different definition of debuts that my, well I, I i don't know i think maybe fishnets definition is different than my pure the pure debut would yeah. be something that No one's ever heard before. Of course. And I I think there were two total. Mm -hmm. um, Because Just a Touch Mm -hmm. was a pure debut. um, And that one I I wrote the lyrics for. Scott and I wrote the lyrics for that. Um, And that was the one, like we said, he played uh, in that stairwell. And that was the beginning of of the last show, Mm -hmm. which was really cool. Mm -hmm. And then he had a song called Mercy that he wrote. I didn't have anything to do with. Mm -hmm. Um, But everything else, like, for example, the song... Colleen, are um Are You There, Colleen? Colleen yeah. That came out. Um that came out on Lonely Trip, but it's listed on Fishnet as a debut because it hadn't ever been played live before, but it had been released. So to me that's a, a different definition of, of debut. debut. Yeah, sure. Like uh, shaking someone's outstretched hand was played on ten twenty-three, also cited as a debut, but it came out on Lonely Trip. Similar ten sixteen evolve and the greater good. Um And then he also played, I never needed you like this before, but that one was played on Jimmy Fallon in August, uh, this summer. So yeah, just slightly, uh, in terms of pure debuts, I think there were two, which there was no way that anyone could have ever had heard before. And that was, uh, just a touch and mercy Okay, as far as I'm, yeah, I think I'm right about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was asking the question, I was thinking about more of like how, um, tab, almost like tab turned these, you know, classic, uh fish songs into yes yeah tab songs like carini or you know those sort of things that weren't uh weren't ever played by that's
2: a yep that's a different type of debut too the first time ever played by tab or first time ever treated with the you know the instruments the uh you know the strings or the horns or whatever yeah for sure so Mm -hmm. many many debuts uh using you know, using that terminology for sure. It was incredible.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, he essentially had to, you know, I think about uh, Divided Sky, for instance, him, hmm. I'm, you know, he had to essentially rewrite that just to go along with, and an, um forget, I had it written down, but the pianist that was with him for the...
2: Jeff, Jeff Tansky. Thank
1: you. Yes, yes. Um, that seemed, you know, that was like a totally, not totally different, but in a way... Um, am I correct? I think,
2: on that? I think totally different. Yeah. yeah, that was like, wasn't that like our first sort of surprise where yes. we were suddenly, you know, faced with the realization that, oh, my God, Trey may uh, have completely rewritten and re re instrumentated some of these songs. And it gave us sort of hope for, uh, you know, more of that in the future. But I remember completely being blown away by that version of of Divided Sky.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the piano is a is a percussion. And so for him to it's almost like the way like Holly Boland does it, too, for her, you know, to pull in the uh, percussion pieces and to add in the bass pieces into the piano or into his pieces, into his what he's playing is just a whole different way of of going about the song in, in itself.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I forget where they were there strings in that divided sky version too, or was mm-hmm. it just piano nope, and guitar? No, just the guitar? two of them.
1: Yep, yep, just the two of them yeah, for that. Yeah, that one. was
2: in, that was really intense.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really special. Really and cool. I, I want. I think it was. I believe it was during the first show. I mean, maybe the second, but but I, you know, and I think that that was one of those first things. Like, oh my goodness, like what, like how much more is going to be rewritten? Like you were saying. So, um, yeah, it's so special.
2: Right. What a treat.
1: I know. I know. Um so my next question for you I found that you know I found myself the really thinking and relating the Beacon Jams to the baking uh, Bakers dozen um, residencies. Uh, oh, yeah. So for me, I saw these differences between the two, uh, you know, these standout differences in obvious ways, obvious, you know, fish versus trays, various bands, MSG versus beacon, live versus, we- um, you know, the webcast. Um, right. But, um, I also find there also to be I also find for there to be many similarities between them in relation to the depths of his musical performance, no repeats, the connection with other bands as well as the fans. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, well, there's two kind of questions in there, sort yeah. of like putting aside putting aside the emotional side of it, the statistic kind of thing that people focus on is the is the no repeats, and that's something. Um, that to me, Trey and and Fish have tried to do with increasing success for many of their multi-show runs, you know, as as a young band, um, you know, in the 90s, um, as their repertoire grew. And I'd actually be interested in knowing when their first four-show run with no repeats was. Mm -hmm. But uh, once that happened, you know, the precedent was set and they basically couldn't ever go back. And Mm -hmm. that's like a, you know, fairly difficult thing for a band to do. And it it's a statement so 13 shows for the baker's dozen was taking that concept to an extreme level of artistry and if you think about it it really is basically an impossible feat for almost any other band when you think about it um you know with original songs anyway it's quite amazing
1: yeah yeah well and i think that was also like kind of one of those like uh you know in your face billy joel (laughs) baker's (laughs) baker's dozen. <laughs> i wonder how much well, of that I, was spite
2: <laughs> well yeah i mean uh, billy joel I, I i bet his concerts from night to night overlap i mean does he yeah. do any does he do any so- uh, concerts where you know 10 songs don't repeat from the night before i, I doubt mm, this mm-hmm. yeah this that that would be a, uh, something to find out as well mm-hmm. but um uh so the weird thing is the well that Trey had to draw on for the Beacon shows, I think is it's kind of like the same well, really, now that now that fish songs are on the table, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's it was very hard for for him probably to arrange the the 13 shows or the baker's dozen. So this was only eight shows. And in a way, it's you know, now that fish songs are allowed and even more really counting all the all the new songs on Lonely Trip and the tab only stuff, so I bet he had less of a problem coming up with a set list, mm-hmm. um, you know, a, a no repeat set list, um, than than the Baker's dozen. But in this case, he had all that extra writing, you know, and rehearsing uh, with all those musicians and uh, you know with Don Hart, the composing, uh, you know, and Jeff Tansky, supreme musicians mm-hmm. and composers, all you know had to. I can imagine that much of the week was spent preparing those different arrangements of those songs.
1: Mhm, mhm. And Don Hart who's who is um that I'm not familiar with that name.
2: Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, Don Don Hart um he's he's recently featured on Under the Scales. He is okay. a he's a guy that Trey hooked up with a long time ago um and uh the first time that a bunch of us were aware of him was when he kind of writ, wrote the string arrangements for a whole bunch of fish songs that Trey then performed on his uh, orchestra tour. Sure. Which culminated, or at least included um, Carnegie hall. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah, oh, yeah. Where he had oh, a whole, yeah. yeah. The New York Philharmonic and stuff. So I, I was so excited um, for
1: Tanglewood this summer, uh, last summer, because that's, you know, Massachusetts. So, <laughs> but yeah, come around. Again. Yeah.
2: So that's, that's Don Hart. So he Don Hart can, you know, compose for um, you know, whether it's Ghost of the Forest or you know, any of this stuff that included the strings and, and the brass, Don Hart would probably had his hand in it.
1: Gotcha. Um, he's
2: one of the behind the scenes, you know, magicians of, yeah. of uh, the the beak the you know, the Beacon Jams for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and you know, cuz he's so had had drape with the Rescue Squad and some not rescue squad but those uh musicians in other orchestras before
2: yeah so i saw ghosts of the forest um uh four times and i believe there was some crossover of the of the string section there um but also um he mentioned someone i think it was martha mook whose name R- rang a bell and she had actually been with uh what what they called the storcio quintet which was five string players who uh toured with trey when he was playing solo once a long time ago and i remember they even came through princeton um new jersey and i i, I couldn't tell you exactly the date there but so she at least and possibly more of them have been with playing with trey for quite a while
1: oh wow yeah I thought that's uh you know, so he's like gathering up the people that he's played with before in the past, and you know, of course they're I'm sure everybody's you know itching to play anyways, so uh you know oh yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: and also imagine you know being a you know a classical string violin, viola, cellist, and uh all of a sudden getting to go on a mini tour with Trey, you know, completely playing different stuff. it must be a lot of fun,
1: right, yeah. Um, so, you know, going into, you know, we had done this so many things to cover with eight, you know, eight shows being played. So, you know, we had, to, we talked about just picking out two of them, which, uh, was the sixth night on the 13th and the last night, um, on the 27th. And on the 13th, you and your wife, Lily were able to attend, uh, to celebrate your shared birthdays. Are you guys the same age by the way?
2: No, I'm one year older than uh, she is. Okay. But yeah, our, our birthday is November 12th.
1: That, that's awesome. Yeah. And you were able to bring Anna, your daughter, as well.
2: Yeah, she came. Trey, um, I guess knowing it was my birthday, you know, because I, I had I mentioned previously I had gotten a no answer from fish management mm-hmm. about atten- attending, and uh, suddenly I got a call from Trey, hey, if you'd like to come, uh, please come, and he kind of... Let me know that I'd be receiving, uh, you know, pretty serious protocol email about, you know, what what steps we had to take to to certify that we were safe to be there.
1: Great. Yeah. Because I want you to sort of walk us through that evening, you know, like the covert precautions you had to take and the setup and, um, you know, we can discuss. Oh, yeah. 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 Um.
2: Well, I mean, it involved. I think it was basically just uh, we had to get in the city. We were in the city around three o'clock kind of, mm-hmm. kind of time frame, And we had planned to be at the theater at seven. So we went, you know, we parked and we walked down. It was like on the, in the, in the fifties, the, the center where we had to get our test. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, we did a leisurely walk down there knowing that we'd be basically just doing a leisurely walk back up, uh, to the beacon. And, uh, once, you know, so once we got to the, the place, it was basically, it's called a rapid test. It's an mm-hmm. antigen test and, and it's two uh, swabs, each nostril, and uh, nothing. Uh, I've heard horror stories of and, and also participated. This was my second COVID test, actually. The mm-hmm. first one I had, it was like my brain was almost pierced by an overzealous nurse. Oh, no. This was nothing. Yeah, this was nothing that bad. It was it was fine. It was gentle yeah. and everything was fine. Yeah, I had and so one and it we, wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think they need to be that bad, but no. for whatever <laughs> reason, I, I experienced a, a not great one, but not in this case. And uh, 15 minutes later, we all got little emails. Uh, our phones buzzed and it said we passed. It was a big green. We passed because we realized if any one of us failed that we were out. So
1: sure. yeah, <laughs> we were yeah, kind of yeah.
2: like. Yeah, so we were really excited and then we uh basically just stayed safe and away from people and then until we got to the show. And mm-hmm. uh they let us park right there. It was really cool. Security was out and they were expecting us and uh we had parked right in front of the beacon like right right at the door of not, the Not not even itself. at the
1: train station on the side there like
2: <laughs> No. <laughs> great. It was incredible. It was <laughs> yeah. amazing. It, and so uh you know, walking into a completely empty theater quickly realizing that the seats were uh, a lot of the seats are filled with, with lights. It was, it was wow completely wired in a different way. And so when you see, you know, how they were facing backwards on the stage okay. and they had the room, the empty room was behind them where all the audience normally would be. Yeah. Um, that, that was all filled with lights to, to come up so that, you know, on the camera, when you, you when you're looking at the band, you would see the whole theater, the seating part of the theater behind the band. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was filled with uh, it was three levels of seats and filled with different types of, of lighting. And it was really intense seeing it with the lights off. They just look like black robots, you know, mm. uh, in every seat. It, it kind of looked like a, uh, a theater full of an audience of robots.
1: Well, <laughs> again, and this would be something that's never really been... Done before. So, you know, working I don't think up to so. this. Yeah, turning yeah. around.
2: Yeah, for the band to turn around like that. I don't know if that's been done before. That is, I don't know who had that idea. That it seems it's, it smacks of a tray idea to me. <laughs> let's face the other direction. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he didn't want to face an empty uh, room. You know? you
1: know, I, I, I was uh, watching an interview he did with Ari Fink, um, and he was discussing about how, you know, because, you know, everybody's speculation is fish going to play this and that and how difficult it is and was going to be for him to play without us right there in front of him. And yeah. so I would imagine that that was something that that, you know, was tricky for him and he needed to to work through.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, and it seemed like a good idea. It sort of made it. Um, so where we watched was from from side stage, and we had our own speaker, uh, which had a really wonderful monitor mix uh, in it. And uh, you know, we could I could meet eyes with Trey. You know, see him mm. really really close, and it was very cool. I could see every band member, and I could also see the screen uh, for the the um, editor that was sending the, the video feed out. To the world Mm -hmm. I could see his massive screen which had like all the you know nine camera feeds and stuff so it, it was just I was in heaven and it was amazing and I think it was like the best night and I think I got um I think I got 13 songs of mine that night, of the 19 played.
1: Yes, yes, yes. I was like 12 or 13, and that nine of those were these new, were the, you know, as I was saying, the the new tab debuts, and you're surprised by them. So uh, how was it for you? You know, what what were the highlights from that night? You know, I've got a couple questions about, you know, one about 20 years in light, but, you know, for you, what was the, how was that different for you with tab playing it, and what were your thoughts on that?
2: Well, I mean... Just them rolling out. You enjoy myself with strings and and playing. You know the quintessential fish song. Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter had tears in her eyes. Uh, it's wife, my wife's and daughter's like favorite song to mm-hmm. see together. And uh, so they were so excited. And the version of it was just it was amazing. Right. And uh, then the silver light. I uh, you know that's another one that Scott and I. That's on. Um, you know, that Trey did in the COVID sessions. He released it uh on Instagram, I think, and then it became a song on Lonely Trip. And it it was really great. Winter Queen. Um, in terms of highlights, I would say, um, well, my daughter loves Kill Devil Falls. Uh, mm. so that was cool. And then immediately, then that's when Trey kind of called me out right before twenty years later. Yeah. And listening to those lyrics, and I knew he was kind of feeling the same way. Uh you know, it's like one of those, the lyrics that force us back, uh, you know, into an earlier part of our relationship, like when we camped and went to the rhombus every summer night that we were in Princeton. And Mm -hmm. it's a song I think that makes us both think, you know, about those, those old days. And I could feel him thinking, you know, about what the lyrics mean as he was singing and, and he looked at me, you know, I knew, I knew what we, we each knew what the other was thinking. And so it was kind of special and hearing those lyrics, uh, you know and, and hearing the song with a different band and everything it was very very cool you like light you said
1: well, you know, uh, what I found interesting about about Light for, you know, being played that evening, you know, because one of your deep dives on your podcast, Under the Scales, which I will tell you thank you again, because you explained Gaiuti for me that <laughs> during that way because I bugged you for about two years. Yeah, <laughs> um, sure. So, right? <laughs> so you explained um, that Trey, in a way, gave you the lyrics, while visiting him in 2008 while he was completing his drug court. And here you are 12 years later with him singing this during a benefit to raise huh. money for a new drug treatment facility. So, you know, I was really <laughs> curious how that was for you.
2: Oh, uh, wow. Well, that's kind of, that's pretty perceptive uh, question, Don. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, it, it did. It flashed through my, my head a little bit and I'm certain it did for Trey, but I don't I don't know if it was ever like a fully formed thought. Um, I mean, like for me, every time I hear it, I kind of remember that it was written during that drug court era. Right. And the lyrics mm-hmm. go there. They go there a bit. But but just now, you know, it's the song light and you don't have to open the box all the way every time it's played. Yeah. But you're right. This one for sure uh, did have, you know, a little bit of a, a additional reference to this a similar circumstance. And it definitely made me smile. You know, I was kind of like thinking good for you, Trey, you know, full circle from, from needing treatment to helping others get treatment.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. So we are going to take a quick break and we are going to come back and talk about the amazing last uh, evening and a couple of things. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back.
2: I'm smiling, but I don't know how to laugh. i but I've forgotten which hand, I'm wrapped up, but all I have is loose I'm friendly, but I can't
0: find my friend. I'm laughing, but I don't know how to smile. I'm afraid, but I've been here for a while.
2: I'm drifting, Cause I don't know where to go.
1: All right. Welcome, everybody, and we are back with our guest, Tom Marshall. Hi, Tom. Hello, hello. Hey, so we have been obviously discussing the Beacon Jams and whatnot, and now we are going to go into what I've been pretty much claiming all week is the best concert that's ever uh, been played in the history of all concerts. (laughs) (laughs) I just... absolutely floored by it you know I I the next morning I had texted you but I'm like oh I'm so blown away and you came back and you're like you know Trey and I are freaking out about pebbles and and just a touch and I think just you know overall this whole week I've been uh listening. And every time I get choked up, like yesterday I listened to Pebbles and Marbles. I was in the garage with my, my friend and I was like, I can do it this time. Midway through. Nope. Crying. <laughs> just <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: amazing. Yeah. It was really just a, a start to finish was a riveting show. It had everything, emotions, dancing. It was just, it was really a great, great show. What a, what a great way you know to end that incredible incredible run
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know that night was uh, there were nineteen songs played four of those were yours, which was just just a touch, and as we had said earlier was a debut um night speaks to women fast enough, which was a, a well not a debut, but a, you know a, a tab debut and um t- simple twist of Dave, which is all also yours and then Two, Hold on. Uh, yeah, and then two fish. Hold on. What? Sorry, go ahead.
2: I was gonna say. Mm-hmm. I think I had four, or five. I think I had seven that night. So you're leaving a I'm couple off.
1: Out. Which ones? Which ones? Uh, what? What am I missing? Well, here?
2: pebbles and marbles, which we talked about. You didn't. Oh, sure. Just of course. Yes, sir. Of course. And then uh, came and review and speak to me are mine as well.
1: Oh, okay. Okay. I, you know, I yeah. I guess I didn't realize with the Cayman review, I have Pebbles and Marbles written down in the obviously because that's written for Anna. Yeah. 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 Yep. Um, and then the creamy and, and the Slaves. So, you know, I would love oh to God, just start from, was... right? Yeah. I would love to just start right from the beginning with just a, with just a touch. Cause that was the first thing that you had mentioned to me and, and, you know, everybody's kind of uh, talking about that, like sort of cute Sesame Street style beginning of it. And, uh, yeah.
2: So. So Trey texted me and you know how they started a little bit late? Uh he had texted and he said, You gotta watch the beginning song. You have to watch the beginning song over and mm-hmm. over again. You have to watch the beginning song. And then uh he and Paige came on and I thought he meant that song. What did they what did they play? They had previously done Waste and Evening Song. What was it yeah. this night? It was
1: oh, um, Do you recall? Yes. <laughs> go ahead. I'm going to look it up and everybody's like, it's this song. I'm forgetting it right now.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So like I was saying, Trey had texted me right before the show and he said, whatever you do, make sure you catch the first song. And I, you know, I got on early and I was sitting there waiting. I was like, what's gonna, what's it going to be? And then I saw him and, and page get on. And I was thinking, Oh, cool. They're going to do something really exciting that, that, um, you know, that Trey really wanted me to see. So I was. I was very excited to see them do Brian and Robert, which was a beautiful version. And they mm-hmm. sang Paige Paige sang harmony where he didn't ordinarily sing. And I thought maybe that was what Trey was excited about. It was a particularly beautiful version and and Paige played beautiful piano. Mm-hmm. Um and then it went for a long break and I kept thinking in my head and i even texted Trey, but his he must have had his phone down he certainly had his phone uh, not on him anymore mm-hmm. um cuz he didn't answer cuz i wrote that was great um but uh then uh when the show actually started the live part of the show i knew immediately that he meant that because they did they did that that uh song just a touch which mm-hmm. um we had talked we'd already mentioned twice in uh, in the earlier in this show mm-hmm. um I I'd written with him uh, in twenty nineteen, and I'd always wondered why it didn't wind up somewhere because I thought I still think I mean Trey and I loved it. We really liked the song. It's a beautiful song. Um, yeah, and it has some it has funny lyrics, but it's also it's it's got like a a call and answer. It's got really kind of good fishy aspect to it. it mm-hmm. It's anyway, it's one of our it, it's a song that we really liked, and and so I was surprised it didn't make it on. Uh, not really Sigma Oasis because mm-hmm. it, it was kind of too new. It was too new for that. But I was thinking it should certainly have been on um, Lonely Trip. Um, and I think Trey was waiting to do something better with it. And he sure did with this arrangement. It was beautiful mm-hmm. with the three, the three part harmony uh, doing the answer. Trey would do the call and then they would do the three part answer. And it was really really fantastic and then so i was i was emotional because i saw you know trey's incredible mm-hmm. excitement and they were all kind of smiling like there was an inside joke and and i think there was i think <laughs> i think the yeah. inside joke was how how much trey loved it and then it was so cool how they walked as they were singing to their mics and then uh got on the mics and then it got louder and filled the theater with sound and it was the rest of the band joined in it was really really uh, i loved it it was such yeah. a great version of that song
1: and you know he had that that shirt on the love shirt on and just the way he was looking at the camera I mean he was making eye contact with all of us you know like really (laughs) looking right into it and and I felt it to be a little bit different from the way you know he looks out in general it's more of like a lookout when he's when he's playing when he's talking with the other things where you know looking directly into the camera is that super personal connection where like, Oh, is, are you singing to me? <laughs> you know, like, um, so I, I agree with you on that one. As far as that, that, uh, you know, to me th- this whole thing has been so amazing as far as how intimate it all really was without yeah. us all being there, but we were there, you know? Uh,
2: I, yeah. I mean, I think getting Trey like that up close on camera Um, but then having the additional aspect of having him able to react to what the audience says. And that's to me a first in terms of, uh, you know, talking to us, the audience during the shows, I mean, in his acoustic shows, he'll tell stories, but this was, this was real two way interaction for the first time, I think that I can remember. And so it was personal for us seeing him right there, talking to us and, and just amazing. And, and, uh, I think everyone got to feel kind of close, you know, closer to him after that, because we we're. It made us part of that big something, you know, and the mm-hmm. charity aspect too, mm-hmm. the helping and the kindness that was at the heart of the whole thing. Yeah, you know, it brought us all all together in the purpose and and in the music, and so it was like, you know, the whole intention of the of the thing was caught up in in, in the music and. Uh it was just a remarkable series of concerts for those reasons and, and you know and many reasons, the music, of course, but definitely like you were saying the the personal side of it
1: mm, yeah, you know and and I you know this is one of the questions I have for Ratas, but we're you know we're here now, so i you know I was curious to know uh you know,'cause he doesn't talk too much with fish, but when he's doing his storytelling with the um when he does his solo acoustic shows where he's sharing these these stories and whatnot. But for this performance in particular, because it was live and it was on TV and we're all just needing this and wanting this and you can see him needing this and wanting this and same thing as the musicians playing with him, I feel like we really got this side of like really knowing who Trey Anastasio is. And obviously you guys, you know, best friends um was i mean is this the you know this is him right you know hard on the sleeve and you know how was it for you to see him experience Trey in that light
2: yeah i mean it was basically just every everything that i i just said before where yeah. where net you know he's he's there he's in our living rooms and he's talking to us about about helping people and how we're able to participate with him in it and you could tell how much it meant to him and uh his band you know smiling behind him and so aligned to this uh this beautiful purpose uh you know it, that that aspect of it drew us all in further because we're already drawn in, you know mm-hmm. he already has us he he's yep. playing the music that that we love yep. um and so so this was like even more on top of it it was the frosting mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. yeah his his responses were somebody sent me somebody had put together a 10 minute long. It's on YouTube of Trey's responses that <gasps> like clipped together. <laughs> I'm like, who did this? This is crazy. Yeah, that's,
2: that's hilarious. Right.
1: I didn't watch the whole thing. Yeah. I got it after a couple minutes, but it's really funny how, how that is, you know, and when I, I, I interviewed uh, Heather McDougal um, on the last, on the last podcast I did and how she was saying, you know, she, she writes this hits send. And all of a sudden she's like, he did that. <gasps> And then, you know, stumbles into it, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you know, exciting on his head. So um, so from just a touch, he goes into Carini and uh, holy shit, the the horns just blew it up. You know,
2: I could sense the entire fish audience standing up, freaking out because it was such an incredible version. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, they just, you know. The the strings can rock. The horns can rock. It rocked. It yeah. was so great.
1: Yeah, Karini is uh, Jason's favorite song. So, you know, we were already fired up anyway. And then they went into Karini. So, Karini so wasn't... So, I, uh, pre-3.0, I was much more into the, like, softer more gentle. I was scared mm. of Creamy, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. And Jason's really into the heavy, you know, heavy <laughs> rock and roll. And so he really got me into, you know, the heavier songs and uh, Creamy is one of those things. So he just lit right up. And yeah, you could kind of feel it with everybody just, what? <laughs> <You know? laughs> the house begins to shake.
2: <laughs> sounds like you, sounds Sounds like you married a younger dude. <laughs> a
1: little bit. I mean, almost almost 11 years. No big deal. <laughs> Trade in here. <laughs> um, yeah. Nice. Um, you know, there's, so there's, you know, the few songs, you know, Mozambique and Burn That Bridge came in review, Speak to Me, Love is What We Are. And then into, and you know, and, and if you have anything in particular to say about those, but then going into Pebbles and Marbles.
2: Uh, Well, Pebbles and Marbles eclipsed kind of everything for me because, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm with my daughter again. So she's she's home. Uh, Her her grad school is now all uh, from home like everyone else's school. So she's living with us. um, And uh, we're, you know, again, together for another epic version of that song. So, uh, you know, he and I would. She and I would find it very uh, difficult to beat the experience we had in uh, New Mm. York City when when Trey played it, like I was saying, in Carnegie Hall with the New York Philharmonic. That was in, um, that was 2009. Yeah. Uh, And, but honestly, Anna and I were equally moved uh, by this version, uh, if not more, because, uh, you know, they had an extra part to it. Trey and Don Hart, again, added to it, um, you know, the first time for the orchestra. You know, they added something cool to it, but this time it was the rescue squad with horns. But amazingly, at the end, the ending part, which is usually sort of a mellow part, and Trey stays on his fit, you know, doing finger picking patterns on the acoustic, Mm -hmm. he jumped on electric Mm. and the band came back in. When you hear Russ hit that snare and the whole band jumps back Mm. in, Tony hits the bass. Mm -hmm. That is just an amazing moment. We were looking at each other. We were, you know, we were standing up right next to the TV, like dancing, and uh, we looked at each other, like, "What? <sighs> Holy shit! It was unbelievable." I, I, okay, <laughs> that's my that was my favorite moment, like by far in the whole, you know, the whole eight. Well, except I mean, except when we were right there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and and you know, for him to start with the acoustic, and then you know, when he came in with the electric that tone that he came in with oh, just yeah and then the buildup of it all and it was just yeah, yeah.
2: his guitar sound Ugh. was his guitar was so dialed in for all of these eight his 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 tone like you said and the sound yeah of his his guitar and his amps were just they came through I didn't think they would um and I sort of was envious of people with better uh sound systems than my kind of crappy TV. We didn't have the best uh stereo kind of hook, hook up to Live? the TV. We kinda uh no no. Um y- you know, watching this watching the, the streams. Oh of course the twenty seven because you were the sure, sure, sure.
1: Gotcha, yeah gotcha.
2: Yeah. But um, um yeah uh, one thing because Trey you know, guitar is mid range, so anything can make that sound good. Any kind of speaker system can can sound good, but like we didn't hear Tony as loud as we wanted to, mm. for example. Mm -hmm. Um, but Trey, you could tell his, he had his stuff dialed in so well. It's just sounded beautiful. And like, like you're saying uh, when he jumped onto, I mean, when I watched him put his guitar down, I was like, no, he's not. And I thought maybe he'd pick up another acoustic just to to keep going. Mm. When I saw him like run down to get his electric on, I was like, what? And then when, when Russ hit it, hit came in, I was just like almost crying. It was Mm. just, it was such a moment. Beautiful. Listen to that again. And I think, I think Trey even said that that was his favorite part of, of that night. He did, he did say that, but I was hoping he would put, he, I think he put that up, but I was hoping for sure he'd also put up the, uh, just a touch as well. We'll see.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. And that's what you were saying. Like the next morning that you guys were like freaking out about it. And it's the same thing. You know, I yeah. I keep trying, you know, I listen to it I keep <laughs> trying to get through it without crying. And it's just not <laughs> I'm like, all right, soon enough, it's going to, it's going to ease me and but it's just, You know, I, my, my parents saw fish for the first time with Santana back in 92 before I even knew who fish was and uh, yeah. So, um, but they're, you know, it's too heavy or, you know, they're like, we don't understand that fish thing, you know, whatever it is. Right. But, (laughs) but Uh I'm like, yeah, 25 years later, I'm still doing it. Mom and dad, you know? Um, but the two songs I chose to send to them was life boy and pebbles and marbles. And both of them were just blown away. And I think just overall, it really, um, speak, it, it, it steps out of that, you know, that fish box that some yeah, people are just like, Oh, uh, yep. yeah, right. Like I don't get fish or whatever. And people don't realize that this is a whole other side of Trey and, and, uh, and his ability to really speak to a, a real, you know, broader audience or whatever, you know?
2: Yeah. It's definitely, you know, it, it was written from a, a place of, of, of deep emotion so that that comes through and trey uh you know masterfully uh put put the lyrics into a a very feeling song as well so he yeah i I love the way that that song is woven together and then this extra part you know never would i have expected anyone adding something to to the song and yet it was it was a, a stroke of genius. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, and I know you've talked about it, you know, with the, you know, being about your daughter before, but just want to sort of highlight just the, if I find a pebble in the sand to think it fell from my hand, oh, Tom, <laughs> like, it's your baby girl. Like, it's just beautiful. <laughs> it's just, ah, you know, well, yeah, it's
2: kind of like the, yeah, being torn between, you know, love for someone and and then sort of like loneliness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, a crazy, crazy thing. Yeah, I could, I you know it it, the emotion builds up and then this particular one like right when you're right when your emotions at the highest level this one uh gave you that incredible jam at the end. So I hope you felt better after, uh, after oh, the no. jam. <laughs> it
1: was just amazing. Yeah, no, The whole thing was amazing. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I found like the, you know, for that piece to think that it was from my hand is just, you know, you're coming from you, you know, your daughter uh, coming from is That's how I, yeah. how I see it. Um, and then Definitely. we were cracking up about liquid time and he just cuts it off and just stops. Cause it, we're like, well, it's his show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like he's, i'm gonna tell a story exactly
2: (laughs) he and and he did i I kind of forget what he talked about but i I think it was someone on on the screen that reminded him that he had to say something right yeah
1: yeah yeah exactly just going right into speaking about um you know where we're at and and you know this kind of leads into uh going into how at the end of shine um when he again he was like i know we keep talking about it but like almost like he's had to like I don't know. It wasn't like he wasn't making an excuse for himself, but it was like, but you know, this is what we're here for. And Reba 75, uh, cause I wrote this down because really, uh, her quote spoke to me and it obviously really spoke to him because he just slowed down and really like thought, but he's, um, Reba 75 said, it, um, you know, she's a social worker and she said, you know, it feels, she's talking about, she's like, I wish that, my clients could hear this and, you know, and know that, you know, it feels like an eternity, but it's just a moment in the greater scheme of things and worth every minute of that time. And, you know, we, uh,
2: Oh yeah. You mean the time it takes for you to, to go through recovery. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. You know, you, and I'm sure it feels like an eternity because it's so difficult to do.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then just once it's over, like you get to, you get to that point with it. That once it's over and you wake up, you know, and like I've gone through this with, you know, smoking cigarettes before and quitting and whatnot. And there just comes a day that comes and goes. And then the next day you wake up and you're like, oh my God, I didn't think about it yesterday. And you you become free because addiction rule, so yeah, rules your life in, in whatever you're addicted to, you know? And once you are released and that piece can be over, I mean, it's always part of you, of course. But, you know, as far as the you know, getting through it, it is just a, you know, a moment and how then he led into talking about how it's, you know, uh, you know, you take one drug to get the other drug and, and, you know, and the whole system of how screwed up this opioid, um, pandemic is, you know? Yeah.
2: Oh, I know exactly. Like, you know, all the talk, all the talk currently is about the, you know, the global viral pandemic, but we were already in an opiate pandemic, and the viral pandemic even made that worse, as mm-hmm. Trey was saying. So, so I mean, how needed is a new center like this, and and a caring center? You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be an amazing place that I, I I'm sure will heal a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And Trey, you know, putting so much of himself, you know, back into it, and telling people that you know it's hard, but it's worth it. Because I'm sure at some point someone could have walked up to him and told him, you know, it's worth it at the other side of this. And and probably he was, you know, probably consumed by thoughts like, well, it's too difficult. I'm not going to do it. So, you know, hearing from someone who's been through it and who's also, you know, possibly their, their musical, one of their musical favorite people. I'm sure it's very powerful and I'm sure he's helping people just by saying that.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, and after Shine, he went into into a show of life and, you know, I'd spoken to you for a minute beforehand about, uh, you know, for me, how significant it was because two things. So with this, you know, earlier, I sort of joked about this being the best show ever played in all of the concerts and all of the history of time <laughs> and that, yeah. and that most, yeah. most of my live favorite shows coincidentally end with, uh, with show of life. And also, uh, really remind me of my friend, Timmy, who I is, you know, between Timmy and Jesse, who I dedicated this show to, uh, because they, they played that twice, you know, right after he passed away in the fall of, of 2010. So, um, yeah, Lyrics to that is just it's a powerful song. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah.
2: Um, it's it's it must be a, an amazing song and and holding that memory for you must make it, you know, even that much more emotional.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. And then, you know, going into the you know, the slave and the uh oh wait a minute. Nope. This is what I was gonna say. Ether Sunday. Where have <laughs> I been? I have no idea why I've never heard this <laughs> song before. Really?
2: It's a big, big part of the tab. Like, it's a big, big cornerstone of tab.
1: Right? You know, I'm like, is this the first time? Where'd this come from? I go back and look at it. I'm like, what? This is, like, (laughs) like, all right. Uh, The melody of that, of the chorus is... Just
2: gorgeous. Yep. (sighs) I love it. I've always, always, yeah, I totally associate that with... um. uh, I forget the the actual theater, but it was a road trip I was on with my friend Tebow and my friend Scott, mm-hmm. and uh, they might have played that more than once. On you know, we probably saw Tab play four times. They might have played. We might have seen Ether Sunday twice in that four times, mm. and it was in New England, and it was cold, and it was uh it was just a glorious trip. So that's kind of like. That brings me back to the early tab stuff.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and uh, Jen gets sassy in there with her trumpet playing, too, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. you, you can hear Trey really appreciating it, uh, how he's like, yeah, girl, you know. <laughs> like, um, totally.
2: I know that they have quite a history, the two of them, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: She's been she's been, you know, supplying beautiful trumpet and beautiful singing uh, as backup for for a long time now.
1: Yeah, it's like over. Is she the longest
2: minutes? longest member. Actually, no, Russ and Tony, I guess were the, they were part of the original trio. Mm-hmm. But then she would probably be the the next next uh, veteran. Yeah, because she was the, just the, a kid
1: when she joined, right? She was like twenty or whatever when yeah. he first met her. Well, yes. Yeah, so you know, he ended out that last show with quite the bang. <laughs> so, um, you know the the whole the whole point. I guess, of this is, is, you know, for us to be raising this money for this really important cause, as, as we've been discussing. And, you know, I think the big thing that really came through for me with this one is just our community. And it, it there is like, there's nothing else like this out there. And you know well over a million dollars raised, and so many group uh donations i I interviewed Mary Bogg a few weeks ago who does the you know she helps run the divided sky fund and and whatnot um you know obviously you helped build this community and and so you know what are your thoughts on like how how this all came together and how much you know it, it, yeah. Um, I, yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just incredibly impressed by Trey, you mm-hmm. know. Com- a community like this needs to be kind of brought together uh with a common purpose and Trey um is very good at at leading us and steering us with music, right? And mm-hmm. he's proven proven to be able to to steer us with a cause that we also believe we believe because he's legit, he's been through it. And so he combines those uh, two things in a very special way that that, uh, you know, we feel is coming from his heart. And so uh, people stepped up. I mean, some of those donations that he he you know, I I, I could sense he was uncomfortable talking about individual sure. money donations. But when someone steps up and writes a twenty thousand dollar check, he, he called it out. And I was just like, that <sighs> is amazing. You know, that's just beautiful. And that last night he had raised. Over a million? The la- no, no, over three hundred thousand. The last night, isn't that right? Yeah, I, I, want- I think they beat three hundred thousand for a million total in eight nights, which is just amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, and and I think it, you know one of the things that I've been really trying to promote, just using my the my social media platforms during this is. Um, cause I donated every week and whatnot, even if, you know, whatever, 20, 50, whatever it was, or I joined in with like the fish chicks, uh, group donation or the sets Great. and sell sounds, uh, donation and whatnot. And so, nice. um, you know, the big thing I was trying to, you know, uh, get through to people is that, you know, we're not paying, we don't have the tickets that we're paying for this year. I, I will, I will tell you, I noticed a difference in my bank account this year <laughs> with that. Um, but, and the webcasts are free. So everybody, yes. you know, like you, there's no excuse. You we have it, even if it's just a little bit here and there and really trying to go through it. And I think that that was a big piece of this. And I think it was really smart of him and whomever put forth, uh, you know, the backing for paying for the actual production and the, you know, electricity, you know, all yeah. of it. Twitch. Sure.
2: Yeah. Twitch stepped up with a lot of money and, oh, and so did, uh, you know, the MSG whoa so did what? i lose you
1: for a second but so did what
2: i said twitch so twitch stepped up with some money and then the msg organization stepped up so i was uh very impressed by that too so yeah man it was incredible
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, like, I try to explain this to people and like, oh yeah, you know, like, that's amazing. It's beautiful, but just being part of it. And we live this, you know, it's like, this is, this is our lives, you know? And I, I, I say, you know, I, you know, joking with you earlier that, you know, I'm like, my, I'm comfortable with, with you now, because we've had, we have a rapport, we have a friendship and, you know, my, my inner fangirl has, has calmed down. So, (laughs) but when it comes down to it, you know, you wrote, the lyrics to the soundtrack of my life and, and Trey has played it and the boys, you know, the guys have played it and the women have played it. And, 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 but we're all in this like this, you know, and uh, it's just, it's such a blessing to, to really be part of, you know, I thank you for that.
2: Well, uh, you're welcome. And and thank you for acknowledging my, my part in it. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to be in the audience, right. And watch you know, watch Trey change these songs, uh, you know, for the better in every case, uh, you know, just a different version of them is, is just incredible. So I was very much being a fanboy as well.
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, so do you have anything coming up that we should be looking out for?
2: What are you up to? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I don't know anything offhand. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I mean, uh, Osiris, you know, the podcast, this podcast company of which you're a prominent member here, Mm -hmm. here at Female Centrics. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're always working on new stuff. Um, I think a great announcement is uh, is happening on the same day. This this podcast is coming out the seventh, right? Yes,
1: yes, yes. I'm I'm excited Ah. for that announcement. Uh Aha.
2: Well, well, check out "Under the Scales" episode when you finish listening to this episode for a crazy announcement about the future of fish podcasting.
1: hmm hmm It's pretty exciting. <laughs> I love uh, having the inside scoop on that one <laughs> too. It's a great, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, great thing to be part of. Well, uh, Tom, this has been a just a great conversation. Um, I, I Don,
2: re- thank you so much, man. I mean, we, you know, we were all there watching but we're all in our separate homes you know it's mm-hmm. like this new weird world that we're in streaming and yet you're right the community we all felt each other there and it was it was great i could feel you mm-hmm. and uh you tech you texted me a couple times and you know it was amazing it mm-hmm. was just a, a beautiful experience and hope trade does something cool soon or fish or or whoever i mean we have new year's we have new year's coming up and it would be a shame if that msg stage was empty i hope it's not going to be empty for new year's but uh you know i'm not saying this with any inside knowledge i 100 promise you i do not know anything so yes, this is just yes. me me as a fanboy hoping with my fingers crossed that something happens it would be incredible
1: well i told you what my official prediction is i'm thinking either the barn or back of the beacon fish and mm. we're gonna get game hedge in its entirety That's what I'm manifesting there. I said it first. You
2: heard heard it. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) thanks, Dawn. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, we'll see you around, my friend.
2: Lots of fun. Yeah. See you soon. All right. Take care. Thanks. Bye.
1: All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for joining uh, Female Centrics and this interview with Tom Marshall. Tom, thank you so much for talking to us about The Beacon and Trey Anastasio and all the musicians and, and production managers and the all of it, all of the magic that went together to make The Beacon Jams happen. And all the community members for being part of this and raising all this money for this really important, this really important cause. And again, just dedicating this to my brothers, Timmy Cooper and Jesse R. You're there with us all the time, guys. So, Thank you. And Female Centrics is part of the Osiris Podcast Network. So if you want to check out some more podcasts, go to OsirisPod.com. Thanks, everybody. Peace.